0: Hey, my name is Colton. I'm one of the serving leaders here at Ethos. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast today. We hope that you can lean in and enjoy this message. Hey, so so here's the deal. Today, we're gonna jump into a new series called Promises. And it's just going to be three weeks long, kind of really two weeks in one sense, but three weekends. We're going to conclude on Easter weekend, of course, in two weeks, with a message entitled "The Promise of God." We're going to talk about, come on, what do you talk about on Easter? Talk about the greatest promise of all time, and that is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And everybody said, "Amen." Come on, somebody, it's going to be a great weekend. I, I love Easter, Christmas, and Easter. We just celebrate Jesus in the most obvious of ways, and uh, and it's so much, so much fun. On. And so hopefully you can uh, um, hang out with us that day and invite your friends as well. And as Andrew said, we're doing two services at 9.30 and 11. But today I want to jump into uh, a message entitled Promise Making. Next week we're going to talk about promise keeping. Today we're talking about promise making. This whole series is really in an effort for us to kind of renew our minds, to, to kind of lean back into what does it look like for us to pursue healthy relationships, your friendships, your relationships determine the direction, and the quality of your life. If that has ever been more apparent than this past year, I don't know when that has been. We have recognized probably more than ever over the last 12 months just how critical and how much we really do need each other, how critical our relationships are just to our emotional health, to our mental health, and listen to me, to our spiritual health. Like, there's something so beautiful about just gathering together, whether in a Sunday morning setting, in a small group, grabbing coffee with a friend, just talking through some of life's challenges, going back to the scripture to identify the way in which God wants us to walk through those challenges and the ways in which he wants to walk through those challenges with us. We need relationships. Come on, somebody, right? We need people. We need one another. We need the people on our left and on our right. We were talking this morning in our team rally with all of our servant leaders. We were saying, you know what we don't need? We don't just need chemistry. We need community. So often what we're looking for is chemistry, but then when we lose the chemistry, we, we kind of we become expelled from that quote-unquote community, but what community is, is it's, it's not just void of chemistry, because you can have chemistry and community, you can have both of them, that's kind of that's the sweet spot right there, but, but community is where we make an intentional effort to say, hey, I'm going to engage in healthy relationships, even when it's not convenient, even when it's not easy, even if we have some different nuances as far as the way that we believe, the way that we vote, the way that we even maybe live our lives in some ways, but I'm going to dig into community. And so over the next couple weeks, I want us to renew our minds once again to identifying what does healthy relationships look like? And specifically today, we're going to identify four promises, okay? Four promises that I'm asking that we would lean into and make in in our own personal relationships. Let's pray one more time this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these moments that we have to come together and to uh, just be with with one another and to just be in your presence. God, make up the gap between what I've prepared to say and what you want to say today. May you speak to each and every single one of us. Whether you're in overflow right now, whether you're watching online or you're in this room, just even underneath your breath, just ask, say, Holy Spirit, speak to me today. Show me ways and areas of my life that you are asking me, are prompting me, are challenging me to grow in. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. And Father, we just pray against all the racism all across our nation. God, specifically what took place in Atlanta this past week with, with our Asian brothers and sisters. And God, we just come against that right now. God, we, just, we speak against that sin. Just release your freedom. Father, may there be just a unity, even of the church in our nation today. May we come together as one people, speaking against the sin so that we could really see your son Jesus glorified. Father, we lift up all the churches all across our community right now, Life Point and Adventure and Vineyard and just all the amazing churches that are gathering right now. And Just ask that your presence and your freedom will be released in those places. In Jesus' name, everybody who agrees said, Amen. Hey, I need a little uh, little participation in here this morning, okay? We're going to do a little station identification, if you will. I want to see where y'all are at. So, so women, right now, if you are married, if you're married, I want you to kind of put yourself back into that historical moment when you were single, okay? If you are single, just sit right there in the present, all right? Okay? So, so if you're single, can I see your hands? Can I see your hands if you're single? All right, all the single men, look around right now. Look around right now. Okay, all right. <laughs> If you're watching online, we can zoom out there and we can ask them to do that again. Just kidding, we won't do that. But. but, but, but women, do you remember the day? Do you remember the time when you were younger and and you were you were dreaming about that perfect guy, and you would live in the perfect home with like the perfect dog and the perfect kids, and you even named those perfect kids? Come on, somebody, all the women I know, my wife is in that category. I don't know if we stuck to those names or not. Uh, probably not, but. But but I know that she was there. Now now men, um, I, I can imagine that you had a slightly different fantasy in your teenage years, and uh, it involved like unlimited something. And this is PG in here, okay? So we're gonna keep it very PG. Um, but 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 how many men and women? How many can agree today that uh, you're all still dreaming? Can I see your hands? Can I see your hands? Nobody. Okay, we got one person. Thank you, Megan. You're amazing. Uh, we we are not a perfect church, but we are an honest church. And, uh, and and it's funny because relationships are a challenging thing, aren't they? And they don't always go the way that we expect them, the way that we expect them to go either. And here's what's so interesting is is that there is there is this this statistic that that tells us that 35 to 50 percent of all relationships will fail. That's true in marriages and in friendships. This is not just a this is not just a marriage statistic. In fact, what's interesting is that this statistic does not it is not telling us what relationships we no longer have because we've changed jobs or because we've changed schools or because we've because we've moved from the neighborhood that we once moved in. No, no. This is this is in reference to the relationships that fail because of an offense that fail because. Um, we just chose to walk away because we no longer, again, had chemistry with that individual. And we just, we just decided we're, gonna, we're going to kind of abandon that relationship. And, and we're just kind of all okay with it, too. Like, like, we know that this is true, and yet we understand the importance of relationships. And yet, at the same time, we just kind of accept this to be the reality of our lives. But here's what's interesting is that if I told you today that when you leave, you're going to go eat lunch and there was a 35% chance that there was rat poison in your meal, you would say, you know what, today I think I'm fasting. I feel really spiritual. (laughs) Or if when you were leaving here, you were driving home, I told you there's a 50% chance you're gonna get in a car accident and die, you'd say, today's the day where I'm gonna get my steps in. I'm definitely going to achieve my step count today. Like we wouldn't accept it. But why do we accept the failure of our relationships? It's just, that's just kind of what happens. It's just, that's just part of, part of life. Before we go any further today, we need, to, we need to kind of lay some ground rules, okay? There's two ground rules that I want us to identify in our own lives, and kind of lay out in our own lives, so that we can really make this a series and make this some talks today, where in next week and the following week, where we say, you know, I'm not just going to let this kind of go in one ear and out the other, but I'm committed to developing healthy community, because I know that's what God wants from me. His plan for you is not for you to have subpar relationships. What is planned for you is for you to take personal responsibility to create health in your relationship. So the first ground rule that we lay out today is you've got to listen for yourself, okay? The propensity of all of humanity is to kind of nudge your neighbor when a point comes up that you think this is for you wife okay so so mike hill in the back you cannot elbow rage today okay i'm calling out mike because he's my guy and uh and i can picture him saying that one's for you jordan's talking to you right now but the second thing is the second thing is you got to remember that jesus makes all things new he he is the author and the finisher of our faith through grace in other words when we hear something today and my prayer is that you do because I know that I have as I've been preparing for this talk and for this series is that there's going to be a moment where you're going to feel like I failed and I, and I can't make it up and I, and I can't, there's no second chance. Listen, that's condemnation from the devil. God does not condemn you. God convicts you. The difference is condemnation causes us to hide in shame. It causes us to run from the presence of God. It causes us to run from the conviction of God. But what conviction does, conviction is so beautiful. It does something within us. It says, I'm going to give you the grace to, to overcome the area where, yes, you have failed. and You need to recognize that failure. But I'm going to help you move forward. So we've got to remember that Jesus makes All things new. So, we're going to begin today. We're going to begin in this series, and we'll just give you the next 15 to 18 minutes. We're going to begin today in Song of Solomon, chapter 8. Okay, now this is Song of Solomon. Before there were 50 Shades of Grey, there was Song of Solomon. Okay, (laughs) so for all of you who maybe you're a little bit new to church, you're not sure you think about God, and you're like, I think God's boring, read Song of Solomon. All right, you can be like, Okay, okay, God, I'll, I'll take some of that in my marriage someday. Right, and so. So, Song of Solomon, chapter 8, very last chapter, Solomon is writing here, and he says this statement, it's so beautiful. He says to his lover, he he says this romantic relationship, his bride, he says, place me like a seal over your heart. Place me like a seal over your heart. What he's doing is he's solidifying and he's sealing his relationship, this romantic relationship, but we're going to notice here in just a moment. It applies to our friendships as well. He said, I want to be a promise to you. I want to I want to make a promise to you. I looked up this word promise and in the, in the, in the, the, the original Latin word for promise is this word, "promater." Now this makes me sound incredibly smart. And all I did was use Google. Okay, and I have no idea if I'm even pronouncing it right either. So now all the doctors in the room who have studied this are like, you're not and you're not smart, so stop trying. But Which I, 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 I accept. But it's this, it's this word that literally, when broken down, pro means forward, and mater means to send. In other words, a promise is something that we send into the future. In fact, I want to define promise like this. It's a declaration I make now that will be needed in the future. So in other words, I don't need it now because I feel like loving you. I don't need it now because I like you. I don't, I don't need it now because we're getting along. So what a promise does is it's something that we send in the future. Think of it literally as something like for tomorrow. We're kind of throwing this frisbee, if you will. That's the image that I had in my head when I was studying this out. We're throwing it into the future, and at some point, our relationships are going to require that we pick up that promise, and we remember the promise that we made when things aren't always easy. In fact, C.S. Lewis, he, he had this quote, where he says, the promise. Made when I am in love and because I am in love, to be true to the beloved as long as I live, commits me to being true even if I cease to be in love. A promise must be about things that I can do, about actions. No one can promise to go on feeling in a certain way. How beautiful is that? We can't promise that I'm always going to feel like loving you. What I can do is to promise that I'm always going to act in a loving way. Listen to me. Actions lead, feelings follow. If nothing else, you could write that down. Actions lead, and your feelings, they're going to follow. So, again, I want to identify four promises that we can make today. And I want, to, I want, to, I want us to, to look at these from Genesis chapter 2. In the book of beginnings, the second chapter, we go all the way back to the very first relationship in the Scripture. Whenever you're studying the Bible, biblical study, there's something called the law of first mention. And it it basically just identifies that whenever we're trying to identify, like, what does this mean? Go back to the first time that it was mentioned in the Scripture, and there's a precedent. There's a pattern that begins to play out in all the other areas of the Scripture. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, God is referencing Adam and Eve here, but again, it applies to all of our friendships as well. And He says, that's why a man leaves... His father and mother, and he's united. Or some translations use the whole leave and cleave. Some of you have grown up around church. And then he's united to his wife, and they become one. Everybody say one. One. And they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. The first thing that I want us to identify, the first promise that I want us to identify here from Genesis chapter 2 is where he references that a man leaves. And, and so the first thing I want us to identify here is that the first relationally healthy promise is the promise of priority. That, that in order to have healthy relationships, we have to properly prioritize our relationships. We've got to put them in the right place. And in, in the case of a marriage, we have, to, we have to step away from our mom and dad, right? And that doesn't mean that you never speak to them again. That's not what this term, leave, is implying. But rather, we're prioritizing our relationships in a slightly different way from where we used to prioritize them. Pastor Chris Hodges, pastor of a great church down in Alabama, he says, Christianity isn't simply a belief system. It's a priority system. It's about, God, where are you at in this relationship? I heard old Southern preachers say one time, if, if, if God ain't first on your list, He ain't even on your list. That's the best Southern accent I got. <laughs> and it's, it's basically implying that there are, there are times, right, where we're like, okay, God, but like, I'll put you over here. And God's like, wait, I, I really can only operate in your life if you kind of put me right up here. And so we have to ask ourselves, God, does this relationship, does it honor you? How do we put God first in our relationships? We ask him. Does the way in which I'm behaving in this relationship, does it honor you? It's not putting God first in the traditional sense where like God's number one and then our spouse is number two and then our friends are number three and then our kids and blah, blah, blah. No, it's not. It's not that's not what he's talking about. It's actually saying let's put God at the center of all of our relationships. See, oftentimes what we do is we kind of reserve God's like a closet time, like to the morning, right? Like here's 15 minutes with this is like my God time. This is my devotional time. And then the rest of the time, we're like, okay, now this is my time with my wife, now the time with my friends, now the time with my kids, now my time at school, now my time at work. And God's like, no, no, just, just bring me everywhere you go. Like, don't just don't just kind of put me in a closet. If that's the case, what we're doing to God is we're we're saying, God, you're a part of my life, you're an addition to my life but you aren't really God of my life. You're kind of an idol that I have kind of off in the distance, but, but God's saying, no, no, I want to be involved in every area of your life. And so we have to prioritize our relationships. Jesus says it like this, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Just, just kind of make sure that God is number one in all of our relationships. Am I honoring you, God, in this relationship? And then live righteously, and then hope we'll, hope we'll kind of just take care of the rest. Let me make this really practical. Husbands... What does it look like for us to center God in our marriage? It looks like what Paul says in Ephesians, chapter, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. He says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Now, how did he love her? He gave up his life for her. It's this radical kind of a love. Men, listen, I don't get this right. My wife could come up here right now and she could tell you like 10 times this past week where Jordan did not love me the way that Ephesians chapter 5 instructs, me, instructs him to love me. Like she, she could rattle off at least a half a dozen moments in the last probably 72 hours alone. But, but the point is that, men, listen, if we're going to put God at the center and in the proper priority of our lives, then we have to love our wife first before we expect her to honor us, which is often the scripture that men go to, Oh, Bible says, honor your husband. Yeah, but the Bible says that you should love her, like willing to give your life up for her. And men are the initiators, women, they they respond to the way in which we to the way in which we we serve them. And so this is the promise that we're making for our first for our first promise of priority. We're saying this: I promise that God will be at the center of my relationships. You're taking notes. I want you to write this down. First relationally healthy promise. Is to make the promise a priority, and we're saying I'm going to promise that God is going to be at the center of my relationships. Now let's go to let's go to uh, point number two. I'm going to skip over that one for a moment. Let's go to point number two. The second relationally healthy promise is the promise of pursuit. We. We've got to make this promise. In the future, there's going to be times in our relationships we don't feel like pursuing our friends. We don't feel like pursuing our spouse. We just kind of want to throw in the towel. So we've got to make this promise. That I'm, I'm promising to pursue. The scripture says in Genesis 2 that we leave and then we join. So, so we kind of prioritize our relationships and then we pursue the, the right relationships in the right In the right order, Proverbs 14, 23 says, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk, it just leads to poverty. In other words, relationships take a lot of hard work. And if we want the benefit and the fruit of what God designed for us to experience in our relationships, we have to be willing to pursue, to do the hard work. So here's the promise we're making for our second point. I promise I will continue to pursue you, You can fill in that blank with you, whoever. I promise to pursue you, friend. I promise to pursue you, child. I promise to pursue you, parent. I promise to pursue you, spouse. I promise to pursue you even when it's inconvenient. Even when I have to wear masks. Even when I have to do it virtually. Even when we disagree politically. I promise to still pursue you because I'm not pursuing chemistry. I'm pursuing God-centered, healthy, community. And so we've got we've to pursue, listen to me husbands, here's another one. Husbands, I'm picking on us. I'm in this together with you right now, okay? Husbands, we've got to pursue our wives the same way today that we pursued them before we had them. Before we kind of caught them. You know what I mean? That's what I did. I caught my wife, you know? I didn't deserve my wife, but I caught my wife. And, and, and there have been times in our marriage, just three years ago, just three years ago, we were kind of going through one of the more challenging seasons in our marriage. She was acting a fool, and I was just kept forgiving her, and it was really challenging. <laughs> totally kidding. I wasn't prioritizing her. I was not pursuing her. And she called me out on it. She's like, babe, I love you. I just do not like you. And we had a real heart-to-heart conversation. And I was sitting on our floor in our bedroom. She's sitting on the bed, kind of like hovering over me like, she wasn't, but that is how it was, though. Just looking back on it, that was your fault. But, <laughs> no, but I had to identify, like, I need to, I need to pursue you the same way that I used to pursue you before we were, before we were married. Because, listen, divorcing your wife because you're no longer in love is like selling your car because you're out of gas. Like, we got to, like, fill it back up. Fill, like, refuel it. Listen, sometimes we, we fill it back up with the wrong stuff. And, and sometimes it, then it causes the whole thing to break down and to, to crumble at the core. Listen, this is where Jesus makes all things new. Hear me loud and clear. He makes all things new. So there's still a beautiful plan in his future. There's still, there's still a beautiful opportunity for you to experience the beauty of love and the intimacy of marriage. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12 says, Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses. Here's my version of this translation. Offenses burn bridges, but love builds them back up. So there's an opportunity for us to still say, you know what? Moving forward, I'm going to make the promise of pursuit. I'm gonna fill this cup, I'm gonna fill this gas tank, so to speak, back up with love, both in my friendships, in my marriages, with my employer or employees. Come on, with my parents, with my with my kids. Point number three. Point number three, another promise we've got to make is the promise of unity. So we've got to leave and cleave and then come together. As one right making the promise this promise of of unity because here's the reality that if you just sit back and you let the world do what the world wants to do you will experience a whole lot of division in your relationships because here's what we know to be true if we look through the scriptures we study kind of just the words of Jesus We even identify Jesus' heart for us to have healthy relationships. We identify his heart for us to live in unity. And even if we don't, look, if you're in here, you're like, I don't know what I believe about the Bible. Just look at the world. Just look at what's happening all across the world with cancel culture and just all the division and just all of of the challenges that we experience that pull relationships apart. We know this to be true. We can identify that the devil is always trying to make one become many. He's always trying to make one become many. And God is always trying to make many become one. And oneness is not the same as sameness. No, no, no. He's saying, I want you to live in unity in spite of all of your differences. In fact, it's what makes, what makes you strong is the fact that you're so different. If you're all the same, then you would just be boring. But what, what makes my marriage healthy is that we see things a little differently. And iron sharpens iron, the proverb says. And you know what iron does when it hits up against each other? It creates some sparks. And so we've got to recognize the need that we have within one another to pursue, to pursue unity. So in Hebrews chapter 10, you know what, I'm going to skip that for the sake of time. So here's the promise that we're making to one another. I promise to make our relationship about we, not me. Right? I promise to make our relationship about we, not me. And so I want you to think about that in light of your friendships. When you to think about that in light, of, in light of your marriage, in light of the way in which you interact with your coworkers, I'm gonna make this about we. Not just what's best for me. Have you ever noticed that we do that kind of instinctively? That our natural propensity is to just vote the way that we think best benefits me, to make decisions that best benefit me, even if we know it's going to be a detriment to others, but if it benefits me, then I feel better about it. But what God is saying is, no, no, I want us to promise. I'm gonna throw again, we're throwing you in the future, because maybe we don't need it right now. But I'm gonna need it in the future. So I promise I'm gonna make my relationships about we, not about, not about me. And the last one, last point, is the promise. I'm gonna to make the promise of purity. So God goes on, He's giving this instruction to Adam and Eve, and In the very end, he says that Adam and Eve, they were naked and they didn't feel any shame. In other words, he's saying they were fully exposed. They knew each other on the deepest, most intimate level. And yet, they didn't feel shame as a result. So this is the promise. I'm making a promise of purity in my relationships. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 with me. It says, For once you are full of darkness. In other words, we had a lot of things that we, that we kept secret, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. And Look at this next part. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Carefully determine. Don't just assume Don't just make decisions saying, ah, I think maybe God's in this. No, carefully take a moment and say, God, does this, does this please you? The way I'm behaving, my relationships, the things I'm doing that nobody else knows about. Does this please you? That's what character is. Character isn't what you do in front of people. Character is who you are when nobody else is around. So we got to carefully discern and ask the Lord, does this please you? Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, come on somebody. Instead, we got to expose them. Come on, there is a there's a beauty in exposing our weaknesses. I said it earlier, but but we're never going to be a perfect church. In fact, listen to me, listen to me. If you're newer in here today and you're kind of checking us out for the first time and you heard that we were regathered, maybe you checked us out online at one point over the last year or so, and you're just kind of feeling things out, and we're so glad that you're here. But, But I would always encourage you to... To always give any church, like at least a month or two, kind of feel it out for a while, kick some tires, ask some questions, see kind of what they're, see kind of what the people are all about. Just ask some people around you. Don't just come to me, because I'm going to tell you the best and the things I love, right, because I'm biased about it. So come to others too. But listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. The point isn't that you get involved at Ethos. The point isn't that you stay at Ethos. The point is you get connected to some life-giving community in our city. There's a lot of them. We've got some amazing. I, I meet with pastors all the time all across our city. We got some amazing pastors in the city who love people, who love the kingdom. They're about the kingdom and not just their own little castle, not just about just their church. You know what I mean? And so if you're ever wondering, hey, Drew, I don't think ethos is for me, but like can you help me identify another church that may be? I would love to do that. I will personally connect you in text message to some other guys at other churches so that you can find a community that you can dig your deep, that you can dig your roots deep down into so that we can expose the stuff in our life that God wants us to expose so that we can experience the promise of purity in its fullest sense. Here's my prayer for small groups. Here's our hope for small groups at Ethos. Our greatest hope is that someone gets to know the real you. Small groups aren't just about playing ball together. They're not just about playing cars together. They're not, just, they're not even just about studying the Bible together. They are about somebody discovering and knowing the real you, and you discovering and knowing the real them. Because that's when community is most beautiful. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, it says, people who conceal their sins, they just they can't prosper. Like, they just can't. But if they confess and turn from them, man, that's when we receive the beautiful mercy of Jesus Christ. There's so a pastor out west in California. He's written much about relationships. He says, secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. It's the enemy of intimacy. So here's the promise we make to each other in closing right here. I promise to confide in you, not hide from you. And if you don't have those types of relationships, pursue them. Don't wait. Come on. This is ground rules we laid out. This is for you, not for the person next to you. I'm just waiting for somebody to pursue me. No, no, no. You want healthy relationships, you got to pursue the relationship. you got you to get involved in a group. you got to join a team. This isn't some shameless plug to get people plugged into ethos. No, no, no. I'm telling you, the healthiest part of our church is not Sunday morning. The healthiest part of our church is when you get into smaller settings and you realize, wow, there's a lot of people who care deeply about me. There's a lot of people who I can unashamedly just be real with. You know the real heroes? The real heroes of these past 12 months? It's our small group leaders. They're the real heroes. The ones who have been consistently just creating a space for people to belong, for people to say, hey, we're we're, we're making community a priority. Those are the real heroes. Richard Foster, somebody who has written so much about just spiritual discipline and spiritual health, his book, Celebration of Discipline, I think is one of the greatest books for any follower of Jesus to read. But he says, but if we know that the people of God are first a fellowship of sinners, come on, not, not just a fellowship of saints, we are a fellowship of sinners. We are free to hear the unconditional call of God's love and to confess our needs openly before our brothers and sisters. We know we are not alone in our sin. The fear and pride that cling to us like barnacles cling to others also. We are sinners together. In acts of mutual confession, we release the power that heals. This is beautiful. Our humanity is no longer denied, but that's then when it's transformed. So listen to me, church. This is my last point. This is the last thing I'm saying. In order for our relationships to work, we got to let the one who who designed them define them. Come on, we got to lean into God. What do you say about my relationships? Because clearly what I've said about relationships just doesn't work. Clearly the world and the advice that they're giving us about my relationships, it just doesn't work. So I'm going to let the one who designed them from the beginning to begin with, I'm going to let him define my relationships.